As Joel said, my name's Simon. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what to expect this week, what New Day is about. Maybe already you've got some questions. You're like, what on earth is happening? I want to talk to you about the heart of New Day and some things that we believe. But before we do that, I've got a question for you. That's this. What do you love the most? What is it in your heart you most want? What's your deepest desire? Another way of asking it, what makes you most excited, most passionate? Maybe for some of you, the thing that you most want is this guy. He was caught by someone in the bands about two weeks ago. Maybe the thing you most want, you want that. You want to get level up, level up, level up. Maybe Pokemon Go is not your thing. Maybe the thing that you most want, if you're really honest tonight, I want to be in a relationship. I want a girlfriend. I want a boyfriend. Maybe some of the people around you have got girlfriends, boyfriends. That's what you most want. Maybe it's not boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe what you most care about is your image. You just want to look cool. You just want to look good. Did I just say I want a boyfriend? Sorry if that freaked you out. Maybe you just want to look cool. Maybe that's the thing you care about the most. You want the latest clothes. You want people to look and think, man, that person's cool. Maybe what makes you most excited is maybe what you want most is actually your body. Am I too thin? Am I too fat? Am I buff enough? Is my body fit? Maybe that's the thing you care about the most. Am I skinny enough? Maybe the thing you most want is just technology. It's stuff. Maybe you want an iPhone, an iPad. In September, the iPhone 7 is going to be announced. Millions of people will buy that phone. Thousands of people will queue up overnight. That's what they want. They want it. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe what you most want is to be famous. Man, if I could just be famous. If I could just be in a place on a stage where people know my name. Hundreds of people, even thousands of people every year queue up for X Factor, for the shot that maybe they can make it, maybe be famous. People are queuing up hungry. I want more followers. I want people to know my name. I love the idea of that. I could go on. The list goes on and on. So my question is, what about you? What is it that you most want? What is it that you most care about? What is it in your heart right now you're most longing for? Here's the thing. Whatever you want the most, it's not actually long before your whole life begins to devote itself to it. Think about it. It's a thing you spend your time thinking about. It's a thing you spend your time talking about. It's a thing that you just devote yourself to. I want it. And your life can become about getting that thing. In a sense, you want it so much, you can't not. You're just devoted to it. And what happens, there's this thing in your heart you want most. You end up devoting yourself to it. So much so, in the end, actually, you start making sacrifices for it. Happily. You just sacrifice, I want this. Let me tell you a story. When I was 18, um, I played guitar. Any guitarist in the house? I wanted a pedal board. That's a little board on the floor where you put your pedals on. The pedal board I wanted was the Pedal Train Junior. Pedal Train is a brand of pedal boards. I went on the website. They got the Pedal Train Large, Extra Large. They got the Pedal Train Medium, the Pedal Train Junior. Some of the hard case, some of a soft case. I was like, oh, I knew the prices of them. I wanted the Pedal Train Junior. I wanted it so much. I checked the website again. I'm searching around for the best prices. 135 pounds there. 129 pounds there. I'm looking at blogs. I'm looking at reviews. Where's the best place? Is this definitely the right one? I was obsessed in this thing. I knew every detail there was to know about the Pedal Train Junior. Couldn't really afford it, but I wanted it. That's what I wanted. And a day came, I got on the train, I went to a music store with my friend who was a guitarist in, in this band at the time. I went to go and see, finally, I got to saw the Pedal Train Junior in its flesh. I was like, wow, there it is with the hard case and everything. I think, I'm going to buy this. And let me tell you a little secret. I wasn't in a great place financially. I was actually in a few hundred pound debt. I was doing a year out, hadn't paid my fees yet. I wasn't in a great place. Just before I was about to buy it, my friend Joe said to me, Si, you're definitely doing okay for money. I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. And, and giving and tithing, giving to the church, are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, fine. And I went ahead and I bought this Pedal Train Junior. What had happened? I just lied to my friend twice to his face. I wasn't doing well with money at all. I was in debt. And I hadn't given anything to church. It's something I believe in, being generous with what gives you. I hadn't done for months, to be honest. I'm not a liar. I, wouldn't, I didn't wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to lie to Joe today. 
of what was going on here. I wanted something. I was devoted to it. I even made some sacrifices to get it. Maybe pedal train is not your thing. A few years ago, I downloaded on my phone um, the Jurassic Park app. Now, this story is a bit embarrassing for a couple of reasons. One, because I really like dinosaurs. And two, as you're about to find out, this thing quickly took over my life. The Jurassic Park app, standard theme park style app. You basically get to build your own Jurassic Park. You can add dinosaurs to it. You can open up the park for the public to come. You can make money, feed the dinosaurs, keep this thing growing. Oh, I loved it. Because I love Jurassic Park, big Jurassic Park fan, love dinosaurs. And the way these apps work is they keep you going back to them. So every hour or two, it kind of is a halt. You have to go back in, collect some money, feed the dinosaurs, and come back out again, and it ticks away. Then you have to go back in after another two hours to do it again. It got to the point where this thing was taking over my life. I'd be sitting at work around a big table with lots of people having a meeting. They're all looking very important. We're talking about something. I'm nodding. I'm secretly getting my phone out to feed the velociraptors. Yep, 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 definitely. I'll be going to bed at night. I know this is really sad. It's fine. I'm going to bed at night. I'm setting my alarm at night. I got to the point where, as I'm setting my alarm, I'm thinking, hang about. I'll set my alarm for 3 a.m. just so that I can wake up for one minute and feed the T-Rex. <laughs> then go back to bed again. That's how much I was into this app. Even, and I'm not proud of this at all, it got to the place where it began to take over my family life a little bit. Anna, my wife, amazing woman, she's looking at me trying to have a conversation. I'm like, oh, yep, keep. she's fighting against this thing. Even asking the question, hey, Sarah, are you on that Jurassic Park thing again? And I quickly go to my emails. No, no, no I'm doing my emails. And then later on that night, he's like, are you on that Jurassic Park thing? And I just chuck my phone. And go, no, 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 I'm not at all. I was. Got to the point where I'm even deceiving my wife. I'm not a deceptive person. That's not me. I didn't wake up that morning and think, right, I'm going to deceive Anna today. What was going on here? There's something I was enjoying. It was giving me some kind of life that I was loving, building, doing. So much so, I was devoting myself to it, even making sacrifices for it. Waking up stupid hours in the middle of the night to feed a dinosaur that doesn't even exist, so that in the morning, I'm a bit tired and groggy, not actually spending time with God or praying. I'm just, you know, checking that the, the, the park is all right. Even being deceptive to Anna, that's not me, but I'm making sacrifices for this app. Maybe you're not into apps or dinosaurs. Maybe what you most want is a relationship. Maybe, you know, you're actually a bit younger, perhaps not at the right stage for a relationship, not mature enough for that. Maybe you're actually you're a bit older, maybe you could be in the right place for a relationship. Maybe the people around you got boyfriends, girlfriends, and you don't. You're feeling left out. Man, is there something wrong with me? What's going on here? Actually, what I want most is a relationship. I just want to have a boyfriend. I just want to have a girlfriend. And so maybe somebody starts showing interest in you, and you know actually their character isn't great. Maybe you've got a bad reputation. You're thinking this, this probably isn't a good idea, but the promise is at least I'll get to go out with them, and I'll, be, I'll have a boyfriend, I'll have a girlfriend. And so you make that decision. It might be a few weeks what if this person starts pushing things physically with you in this relationship? Starts pushing for things that you're not actually very comfortable with. I don't want to do that. But you don't want to say no because you're fearful that if you do, they're going to dump you. And that means you're going to be single again and not in a relationship. And because you want to be in a relationship so much, you say yes to these things, end up even compromising yourself, parts of your body that you wouldn't want to. Why? because you don't want to give up this thing in a being relationship. What's going on here in your heart? There's something you want. You're devoted to it so much so you're even making sacrifices for it. Why do we have these things in our hearts? It's good to step back a little bit. Why is it that we want things so much so we'll even make sacrifices for them? Why? Here's why. Behind everything we want is always a promise. A promise of happiness, a promise of joy, a promise of acceptance, a promise if you do this, you'll be cool. If you have this, you'll be happy and fulfilled. You need this. If you have that, these people will accept you. You need that. If you have this, then you're cool. You need this. And although at face value, these promises actually seem true, they may even give some level of happiness, the reality is, it's not a lasting happiness. It's not a lasting fulfillment. 
you know what, I bought the Pedal Train Junior and it was good. I enjoyed it, got my Velcro, put the pedals on and that joy lasted for about two weeks. Two weeks later, take it or leave it, I was a bit bored of it. What had happened though, I'm even in more debt and I'd lied to a friend. Was that trade-off worth it? No, it wasn't. You know the Jurassic Park app? All of my best energy and time and thought for two or three weeks was going into building a park and keeping these dinosaurs happy that didn't even exist. It's fake. And I'm left like empty and unhappy and dry. Yeah, it brought some kind of joy in a moment. There's a lure, but really at the end of it, nothing to show for it. Sometimes you get something that you really, really want. You finally get it. Oh, I've got it. Brilliant. But actually, you're so afraid of losing it, you don't even enjoy it. There's no joy there. You know, you're in a relationship. You're so anxious you're going to get dumped. There's no actual life in it. It doesn't give you life. You're kind of trading eggshells the whole time, worried what people are going to say about you. What was promised? If you have this, then you'll be fulfilled. Well, I got it, and it didn't work. You try something else. This will give me life. This will give me joy. I got it, and it didn't work. All these promises promise you something, but they do not fulfill. What's going on here? It's a lie. It's a hoax. It's not true. It's fake. Promises joy doesn't deliver. Momentary joys. But you could say to me, yeah, Simon, I hear you, but that's just for you. They're just small little joys. What if you had like mega joys, mega bucks, mega money, have whatever you wanted? I hear, listen to this, Jim Carrey, the Hollywood superstar, one of the most famous actors of the last like 50 years, I'm sure you've all seen many Jim Carrey films, multi-millionaire, incredible success, millions of followers on Twitter, massive influence, a household name. He says this, I'll read it out to you. Jim Carrey, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I'll read that again. I think everybody should get rich and famous, do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Even Jim Carrey, with all of his money, he could have, a, he could have 10 pedal trains. He could go out and get as many things as he wanted, even at that level, anything he wanted at his disposal, it's not the answer. He would say, I wish you could see this, it's not there. And it's like there's a longing in all of our hearts that nothing can satisfy it, nothing. It's almost like we've got this puzzle, but there's a piece somewhere that seems to be missing and we can try and fill it with different things. Maybe in your own life, you know, you've tried to fill that with different things and it doesn't seem to fit. What do we do with all this then? What's going on? C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia like Chronicles, he says this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The most probable explanation, if nothing in this world can satisfy, I was made for another world. If there's a desire in our hearts that not even the Jim Carries of this world can find pleasure that fulfills it, surely this points us towards something greater, something that's not of this world, something that's not of earth, something better. Friends, I've got some good news for you tonight. Let me tell you something. The reason that nothing on earth can fulfill these longings, can give this deep satisfaction in your heart, a satisfied sense of oh, rest, the reason why there's nothing can do it is because nothing on earth is supposed to. This deep hunger for something, where does it come from? I'll tell you what, God's put it there. He made you like that. He designed your heart like that. Why? For him. He's not of this world. He's designed your heart for him. This deep yearning for satisfaction, it's not by accident. It's not been placed inside of you. It's an accident. It's been put there by God on purpose so that you'll find your joy, your satisfaction in God. This is part of being a human being, made in the image of God. This is unique to humans. 
This is unique to humans. That's why humans go to theme parks. That's why we queue up for ages, want to be thrown around and experience great pleasure. I don't know if you like theme parks. They are a bit weird. You queue up for ages and ages just for this experience of like heights and pleasure. Do you know what you don't see queuing up at theme parks? You don't see cats and dogs. They don't have them in an inbuilt desire for pleasure. Yeah, you strapped in? Yeah. You strapped in? Yeah. You strapped in? No, you don't see no cats and dogs. You don't see broccoli. You ready? I think so. Bit scared. No. Something about human beings made in the image of God. God's put into our hearts this desire for pleasure and for satisfaction. You can't stop that. You can't. It's too deeply ingrained in you. You might try. You can't. It's part of being a human being. And God's put it in there on purpose so that you would find him. So that you would find your satisfaction in him. He is the missing piece of the puzzle. So we talked about lots of promises, promises that don't deliver. I'm going to just give you two promises from Jesus that do deliver. Are you listening? Jesus, it's a hot afternoon. He's at the water station. Back in these days, they didn't have water stations or water coolers. It was a well. He's talking to a woman at the well. This is in John 4. We're going to have the words on the screen. What I want to do, I'm going to read out the bits in white. A few of the words are in blue. I want you to read the words in blue together. Can you do that? Can we just get the words up on the screen? I'm going to read the words in white. You read the words in blue. You got that? John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus answered this woman. Who drinks this water will be? But, again, but... Whoever drinks the water, them will, I'll read that last bit again. Whoever drinks the water, them will, what's he talking about? What's all this water? Is it Buxton? Is it still? Is it sparkling? No, no, no. He's not talking about that. I have something that means you will never thirst. He's not talking about what you drink with your mouth. He's talking about the thirsting of our hearts. We're all thirsty. Hey, I've got some water for you. That means you will never thirst again. An end to this thirstiness. I've got something that means you will never thirst again. Another promise. This time in John 6. Same thing again. I'll read the words in white. If you read the words in blue, let's have this up. John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the... Whoever comes to me will go. I'll read that again. I am the. Whoever comes to me will go. So now he's a baker. No, this is again, it's another metaphor. He's not coming around to your house with bread. He's saying, hey, you are hungry for food. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, you will never hunger. This hunger in your hearts for something, for pleasure, for life, for satisfaction. Whoever comes to me, to Jesus, I will feed you and you will never be hungry again. I will bring a satisfaction to your hearts. I will settle you so you're content. It's in Jesus a lasting satisfaction, finally an end to these cycles of trying to find joy somewhere. Jesus is promising something here. The missing piece of the puzzle is me, Jesus. You'll never go thirsty. You'll never go hungry. If you centre yourselves around me, you know, we're all doing it around something. I asked you those questions at the top of this little talk. What is it you want the most? We're all trying to like find it in something. Hey, he's saying, if you centre yourself around me, if I am the first thing in your heart, if you're devoted to me, if you're loving me, what you find is I bring an end to that longing. I bring an end to that craving. You find, oh, I'm not in want. Friends, that's why the first commandment in the Bible is to love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It's a love thing. The first commandment is not go to church it's not don't get drunk. It's not obey these rules. The first commandment is to love. And the good news is we can do that. We can all do that. Our hearts are thirsty. We're always loving something. We love. No other world religion has, number one, love God. 
Jesus is like, come to me, love me. When you look at him, when you look at this Jesus, it's not hard. You're not looking at him and think, gosh, you're ugly. I've got to love you. No, he's intoxicating. He's beautiful. You get to know him and his character, what he's done, what he's like. You get to know his grace, his goodness towards you, his mercy. It wins your heart. It makes you fall in love with him. You know what it's like to fall in love? Maybe some of you don't. You're just captivated by something. That's so amazing. You're just like, oh, I'm all in. When you look at Jesus, when you see him, what he's like, he wins your heart. He's not after just behavior. He wants your heart. He wants you to love him. He's amazing. He's fulfilling. He's beautiful. He's gracious. He wins our hearts again and again. Jesus is not dull. He's not boring. He's full of love and life. When we centre ourselves around him, we find an end to our searching and longing. The whole is filled. Okay, okay. You're saying, I find my life satisfaction in Jesus. I feel finally the whole is filled. Okay, I think I'm kind of tracking with you there, Simon. What about all these other things then? All the other things, should I not be in a relationship? Should I not buy the iPhone 7? Should I not have bought a pedal board? You know, does Jesus just want me to become a monk? Just throw away like, everything I have and just like, okay, I guess I should love you. What do we do with the world? How does this fit into things? Let me answer this question. God created the world and he said that it is good. It is good. God's creation isn't bad, it's good. You know, are iPads bad? No. Are cool clothes bad? No. Is Pokemon Go bad? Yes. Even Pokemon Go is not bad. (laughs) Here's where I'm going. God gives us creation to enjoy richly. These things aren't inherently bad. Now what do we do then? Well, here's what we do. If Jesus is first in your heart, here's what I found. Two things happen. One, if Jesus is first in your heart, you don't actually need all these other things. That whole is filled, remember? Oh, I found my life and joy in Jesus. I don't actually need all these other things. Your appetite changes. That stupid Jurassic Park app that I was so hooked on seemed so important to me. You know, when I got to Jesus, when I got to him, I was like, what am I doing? This is rubbish. Oh, Jesus, I found a joy in him. That was just like, oh, life to me. Since then, I've been tempted by other apps even by Pokemon Go. But you know what? I've been down that road. Nah, I'm all right. Once I've tasted of the rivers of joy of Jesus, once I've fed on the bread of life, I find I don't need these things, quite frankly. These things, every now and then they come up, they they tempt you, but I know I've spoiled now. I've had Jesus. I know what real life tastes like. Your appetite changes. Psalm 23, you can join in here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in. Say it again. I shall not be in. At the back, I shall not be in. Great. When Jesus is your shepherd, this disease of want, I want, I want, I want. I shall not be in want. I just find I'm okay. I don't need these things. The second thing I find when Jesus is first in my heart, and you'll find too, that when you're devoted to him, when you come to him, It's not just that your needs change, it's that actually you get to enjoy creation. He hasn't called you to be a monk. He gives these things for you to enjoy in the way that he intended. Creation is a gift, you can enjoy it. As long as Jesus is number one, you know what, it's okay to have cool clothes. As long as you're not looking for identity there, it's not bad to wear a cool t-shirt. It's not bad to have a pedal board. That's not a bad thing. Uh, When I was a teenager, Another little story for you. I was obsessed with Apple. Maybe you are, maybe you're into an iPhone, but I was just like all over the, the iPads and whatever. Actually, the iPads, but the iMac, I just loved it. Couldn't really afford it. Really, really on Apple products. I'll tell you straight, these things became something in my heart. I wanted so much. I was just like really like looking at the website. Used to look at the keynote speeches that Steve Jobs used to do, talking all about the details. I want these products. Apple is amazing. Over the last 10 years, I've realized these things have kind of crept up in my heart. And even like I've, I've got iPhones and I've, I've saved up for an iPad and I've got some money for an iPad. And I've realized actually they don't deliver. 
And over the last 10 years, I've realized, you know what? Apple's not my shepherd. I shan't, you know, I, I'm still going to want things. As I put Jesus number one, I've just pushed these things down. You know, I don't care about those things. I don't care about those things. I found myself two years ago, I, I realized this. Just through amazing God's goodness and just, uh, yeah, and other people's goodness, to be honest, generosity, I had the best iPhone available, the best iPad available, and the best MacBook Pro available on the market. Uh, the three best Apple products you could get. But I love Jesus so much, I, did, I barely even noticed. What's going on there? God took me from an obsessed teenager to somebody loving Jesus, and I can enjoy this iPad. I can enjoy my phone, and I'm not hooked on it. So that's what happens when you love Jesus. These living waters, it's enough. It's fine. And the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians, maybe not Ephesians, I think it's Philippians actually, he talks about learning the secret of being content. Here's a guy following Jesus, led him to a prison, led him to being shipwrecked, rejected, people speaking badly of him. But even in those situations, he found joy. Where? In Jesus. Maybe you've never been shipwrecked, but he learned a secret. Have you learned the secret of just being content in your life? Or are you panicking, looking for something? Are you just needing, I need, I need, I need? I'm trying to learn the secret of being content. That's what happens when Jesus is number one in your life. What happens when he's not? Well, you remember the first commandment is love God all of your heart above everything else. But the minute that something else creeps in and takes over that place of God, the minute something else comes in that place, the Bible calls that an idol. Something that is above God in your heart, an idol. Maybe when I say idol, we think of a statue. It could be a statue. Some cultures literally worship physical statues. But an idol could be anything, anything in your life that it comes in the place of God. The Bible talks about idols and idolatry, worshipping, giving yourself, devoting yourself, making sacrifices for something other than God. Anything. And you could be like, oh, so what? Big deal. I've got an idol. What's the problem? It's not only an idol. You know, let's have, a, let's have a think about this. The minute you choose an idol, you're actually turning your back on God. The minute you see this thing, you're actually saying, mm, thanks, but no thanks. I want this. You're saying, yeah, I know that you're good, but really this has got something else. And more than that, you're actually believing the lie that God isn't good enough for these things. You can only be satisfied in this. He's not going to make you satisfied. And so you're sort of saying, thanks, but no thanks. I'm choosing this. You're believing the lie. God doesn't want you to be happy. You need this instead. You're believing that God's not really got my back. He's not really good. He won't really satisfy me. Every time you choose an idol, excuse me to be like course, you're effectively giving God the middle finger. Nah, I'm all right, thanks. Don't need you. It's a tragedy. And the enemy is so clever, he knows how to bait the hook, lure you, lie to you, make you want something, anything, so that you don't worship Jesus. He will do whatever he can to distract you, to take away your love and passion and give it to something else. I realize I just introduced a concept to some of you, enemy, who's that? The Bible talks about an enemy, a devil. Maybe when I say devil, you're thinking of like a cartoon figure with like a little trident and horns. No, 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 that's not that. The film, The Usual Suspects, they say this line, the best trick the enemy ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. If you just think about him as a cartoon, we've lost something. He does exist very, very subtly. The enemy, the way he works is he lures us away from loving Jesus. And he will bait the hook with whatever he can to pull you away he knows you. He knows your desires. He knows your vulnerabilities. He knows the things that you're looking for identity in, and he will do every can to distract you from Jesus. And friends, don't be fooled. Idolatry isn't a small deal. Turning away from Jesus, saying, instead of worshipping you, I'm finding my life here. No, no, no. It has a huge impact and a consequence. Let me explain. No one ever worships an idol and feels better for it. It doesn't lead to life. They're dead. You've exchanged 
the creator for something created. You've exchanged someone who's full of life for something that's inherently dead. It doesn't give life. It promises, yeah, yeah, doesn't deliver. No one looks at pornography, lured into it because it offers some kind of pleasure and in a sense it does in a moment. No one does that and at the end of it feels better. No, you feel worse. You feel less human. You feel degraded. No one gives in to the sin of gluttony. You just eat and eat and eat to the point you just full up, you just gluttony and feels better for it. Oh, I feel great now. Now you feel disgusting. When you turn away from God and you choose things that seem full of pleasure, oh, come here. When you devote yourself to it, even like to a level we know this has become an idol, it never ever leaves you feeling better. It leaves you feeling worse. It leaves you feeling less alive. In fact, it even leads to death. When the Bible says, the Bible says this, when you sin, you're enslaved to sin. I'll say it again. When you sin, you're not just like, oh, I sin, oh, whoop, don't, don't do that again. I'll just come back and worship. No, no, there's something about sin and the lure that enslaves you to sin. It's like this. Imagine if I had a thread and tied it around my body, around my wrists, one thread, I could push it away, fine. But if I have two threads, oh, a bit harder, probably push away, by the time I hit four threads, this thing's cutting into my arms. I might push hard, I might even draw blood. Sin has a way of wrapping itself around you. You think, oh, it's just a little sin. I just clicked on that website once. Oh, it's just a little idol, it's not a problem. Uh-uh. Before you know it, you're a slave to something you can't get out of. Sin makes you slave to sin. And one of the most shocking verses in the Bible is in Romans 1. Describes a people who choose idols rather than the living God. And it says this, that God handed them over to their sin. That's what you want, that's what you get. Your choice, you've chosen that. And you find yourself enslaved. You find yourself less and less alive. You find yourself like, I'm stuck. I know over there there's the bread and life. I know over there there's the, the streams of living water. I can't get out of this. This thing that's in my heart, I'm stuck. You're enslaved. Some of you, many of you, the reason you're feeling dead inside is because you are bowed down at the temple of an idol, hoping that it's going to give you life. You're like, come on, please. But you're enslaved and you can't get out of it. And you know it's wrong. You know it's bad, but you keep going back there. You keep like the promise of life. Come on, please, something, give it to me, give it to me. And you're looking over there, and I know over there he's promised this, but I can't get it. I'm trying to turn. Yeah, I love you, God. Oh, no, this thing's too big. And you're pouring yourself out at the foot of some idols, hoping for life, hoping for fulfillment. And the enemy has hooked you and hooked you. You're into something that you shouldn't be in. You thought this would give you fulfillment. You thought it would give you life. You thought it would give you joy. No chance. Now you're stuck. Some of you, I'm describing you right now. You're pouring out your heart's affection into something and it's not delivering. You're damaged, your wrists are cut, you're bleeding, and you can't get out. You know the promises, John 4, John 6, living water, never thirst, bread of life, never hunger. I'm a slave, I'm a slave. Where's the good news in that? You're saying, I've got this longing in my heart that nothing in the world fulfills. The one person who can fulfill it, you're saying, I've turned my back on and I can't even turn towards him because I'm enslaved to that. That's not good news. I tell you, we've looked at two promises from John. I'm going to introduce you one more promise from the book of John that Jesus makes for us that is some good news. I'm going to read this out together. John 8, verse 34. One more promise for us. Again, I'm going to read the words in white. You read the words in blue. John 8, 34. I tell you, everyone who sins is a Say it again with a bit more conviction. I tell you, everyone who sins is a to sin. Next verse. If the sets you free, you will be If the sets you free, you will be Oh, it's good news. The sun sets you free. What is this? Let me tell you, let me tell you, it gets good. There's some good news. Not only can Jesus satisfy your heart, not only is he living water, not only is he the bread of life, 
but he also sets you free from being a slave to your idols. How does he do that? Let me tell you. In the same way that your idols lead you to death, Jesus says, I will take upon myself your death. In the same way that God hands us over to our own sin, Jesus was handed over to some Roman soldiers to be crucified. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that Jesus, who knew no sin, the one man on earth who did love God with all of his heart, his whole life, he followed him, loved him, worshipped him. His whole life was one big act of worship. The only man who loved God with all his heart, he laid down his life for us. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us. What does that mean? Jesus took upon himself all of our sin, all of the sins in the world in the past, all of the sins of the world in the future, he took upon himself. And in some mysterious way, he became that sin. He took your idolatry, all the choices that you've made, all the cycles of idolatry, all the times you stuck your finger up to God and just worshiped something else, he took that upon himself. Why did he do that? You know, all of us by nature, we love to shift the blame. We just love to pass the buck. I don't want to do it. No, it's his fault. It's his fault. What's Jesus doing here? He's so devoted to God. He so follows the God. Even he'll make sacrifices for him. He's saying, for their sin, for their idolatry, I will take the blame. Blame me. And so Jesus, in a mysterious way, he became sin. He took all of our sin, all of our idolatry into his body. And on the cross, as he died, he took our sin down into the grave down into the tomb. It went, it died. And in that moment, Jesus broke the power of sin. He came along with his scissors. He cut through the threads that were holding us down. He broke the shackles, the chains they came apart, that sin that holds us down. Jesus broke through the power of the cross. Oh, it's good news. Not only does he fulfill our hearts, not only does he give us life, he gets into the pit. He gets down on his knees where we are. He says, you have my life, I'll die this death. He comes and brings freedom. And so today, if you're caught up in sin, if you've been worshipping other things, not God, if you've been trying to find your life somewhere else, there's an invitation to come and find his freedom and to come and choose Jesus again. There's a response it's not for one or two. It's not even for 20 or 30 or even two or three hundreds. It's for all of us. Why? None of us here have loved Jesus with all of our hearts. All of us at some level have worshipped something else. We want to kick off this week in a place of saying, Jesus, I want you. And if you're here tonight, you say that you're a Christian, you follow Jesus, but maybe as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been just putting his finger on some things. Maybe you're realizing, man, I've been finding my pleasure something else. Maybe I'm caught up in sin. Maybe I've not been worshiping God. We want to give you an opportunity to repent of that and to come and find freedom. We're going to do that in a little bit of time. You know, this message has power. And there's power in repentance. When you choose Jesus, when you choose the, the promise if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. It's a promise that delivers, not just a fake. There's power in this. A man once stood up in a city in Turkey and preached this message. And such was the level of repentance that people turning away from their idols, they built a massive bonfire and just burnt them all. That's an act of saying, Jesus, we want you. I don't want this filth in my life anymore. Maybe some of you in repentance, you just need to do that tonight. Don't make a fire, but you need to come and just get rid of something. You need repentance for you is a heart thing, but maybe even today, even tonight, there might be some actions you need to take. But we're going to respond to that a little bit later um, after we sing. Can the bands come up quickly? One more group of people that I want to talk to. We're talking tonight about reordering our hearts. We're talking about starting this week in a place of saying, Jesus, I choose you. There's another group of people I want to talk to. Some of you here... You wouldn't say you are a Christian. I mean, maybe one way I can define this for you or help define it. There's never been a time in your life when you've actually said to Jesus, Jesus, I turn away from these things and I choose you. I give my life to you. I follow you. Maybe another way of helping you think, is this me or not? Is he talking about me? If you were to die tonight, God forbid, you don't know that you'd go to heaven. 
you're not, you're not sure. You've never put your faith fully in Jesus. You never said, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving you my heart. I want to talk to you for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to come to Jesus. To turn away from your sin, from these idols, these things that promise or don't deliver, and turn towards the risen Christ. What I want us to do, I want you to respect this moment. I'm going to do something very, very difficult. Please, can you quietly, not say a word, please can you stand? That's everybody. Can we all stand together? Sorry if I was unclear there. Just quietly for the moment, thank you. I'm talking to you. If you know that you've never given your life to Jesus, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer is expressing what it means, hopefully in your heart, to give your life to him. Before we do that, we're hoping that some of you might come and respond. I'm going to ask you after that prayer to come to the front. Why? Because we want to highlight, no, we want to help you. We've got some people here who want to pray with you. I'm just going to ask you guys on the front block here, can you take a few steps back to this front row of people and this front block, take a few steps back. There's a yellow line that we need you to get past, if that's okay. The rest of us, I'm going to ask you to keep, just shut your eyes for the moment. Be before God. Can I ask us around the room, every eye to be closed. God's been speaking to you. God's been stirring things in you. God might be highlighting things in you. Just right now, say, God, if there's anything in me that is not of you, anything that I'm turning to to worship, God, come and show me. Come and show me. But right now, I'm talking to you if you know that you're not a Christian. You know that if you were to die tonight, don't know if I'd go to heaven. You know there's never been a time in your life where you fully put your faith, trust in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to respond and to come and give your life to him. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart with me. Every eye to be closed, please. Pray this prayer in your heart with me, if that's you. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to turn away from the cycles of slavery and idolatry. If you want to choose life, if you want to choose the living water, if you want that missing piece of the puzzle in your heart, if you want to know true satisfaction and joy, pray this prayer with me. Every eye to be closed. Jesus, just pray this in your heart. I acknowledge I've not loved you with all of my heart. I've looked for life and joy in other things. And I realize now, in doing so, I've turned my back on you. God, I'm sorry for turning my back on you. I recognize I'm trapped in my sin and there's no way out. God, right now, as best as I can, I want to turn away from these sins. I want to turn away from these idols I've been looking to for life. Jesus, I want to put my faith and trust in you. Jesus, I'm choosing you. Jesus, I'm choosing you plus nothing else. I'm turning away from my sin and I'm choosing you. Jesus, I want you to be the first in my heart. Jesus, I want to orientate my life around you. And as best as I can tonight, I'm turning away from my sin and I'm choosing you. Jesus, fill me with your living water. Jesus, I'm hungry. Give me your bread of life. Jesus, come and let me know your love. Jesus, as best as I can, I want to love you. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer tonight, 
we want to help you. If you've not prayed that prayer, but now you're thinking, actually, I wish I did. We want to help you. And the best way we can do that is get some of our team, our prayer team here, and some of the leaders just to come and sit with you, pray with you, talk through what that means. So if you have prayed that prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time tonight, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to be really brave and walk all the way down to the front. Use the aisles, go to the sides. If you're near the front, cut through. If you're feeling a bit scared and don't want to do that, you can bring a friend with you. If you've given your life to Jesus tonight, if you've prayed that prayer, if you want to turn away from these cycles of idolatry, you're saying, Jesus, I want you. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Be brave. You're about to make the best decision of your life. Some of you, you've already made it. You've prayed that. You're feeling a sense of joy already. Hallelujah. As you come forward, we want to applaud you and clap you for doing what you've done. So wait a sec. I'm going to count to three. If you've prayed that prayer and turned away from your sin and you've chosen Jesus, come running to the front. One, two, three. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Turn away from your sin. There are promises that don't deliver. It will end up in cycles of sin. Come to the one who sets you free. There are promises that are true. Promises that are real. Give your life to him. Turn away from what is wrong. Come right to the front. Come running. You guys, come gather in. You're not sure. Shall I do it? Shan't I? You're about to make the best decision of your life. Turn away from sin. Turn away from slavery. Choose the risen Christ. Let's keep applauding these guys. Come right forward. Come right forward. Come to the front. It's not too late. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to streams of living water. Come, feast on the bread of life. He's done something wonderful here in that he's called people to himself who've never really said yes to Jesus before. But there's loads of us in this tent who've said yes to Jesus already. And we know that we're already in him. We're already believers in Jesus. We're already those who've come to him and said, Lord, take my life. But we also know that when Simon was preaching about idols, we know that that's a real genuine experience for us in our lives. There are things that we have been bowing down to. There are things that we've been giving our hearts to. There are people, there are relationships, there are substances, there are lifestyle choices. There are things that we've been saying, please will you satisfy me instead of God. And actually tonight, the Lord is calling us to turn away from those things. The Bible describes that as repentance when we actually we, we look at what we've been living for and we turn our backs on it and we turn towards God and we say, you're the only one that can satisfy me. You're the only one that I want to live for. You're going to come above everything else. And many of us, we know specific things. It, it, we know things in our hearts. The Holy Spirit, he's able to speak things to us. And we know right now you're sensing it's that relationship you're in it's, your, it's expression of your sexual desire. It's alcohol. It's drugs. It's cigarettes. It's lying. It's stealing. It's wanting people to like you. It's a, an over-obsession with your physical body, with being con- consumed by what you wear and what size you are and what people think about you. It's a desire to have stuff. It's a desire to have experiences. And all these things, they're idols in our lives. And as Christians, as those who have said yes to Jesus, actually there are times when we need to say no to other things. That's what Simon was describing when he said, when, when the Apostle Paul preached, and it, he said there was a bonfire of people's stuff bringing before God and saying, this stuff, I burn it, I'm getting rid of it. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that this evening. And we're going to, one of the ways we can do that is actually symbolically. So the stewards are going to bring in front of each of the two big screens and right down here in front of me, they're going to bring dustbins and sheets of paper and pencils. And if you know that there is something in your life 
that you have bowed down to, that you have looked to, to save you, to rescue you, to give you identity and satisfaction. And you know it's not Jesus, it's something else. And you want to say to Jesus tonight, I am turning my back on that. We want to encourage you during our next part of the worship to come forward to one of those three dustbins, to write it down on a piece of paper. You might want to write down an app that you use on your phone. You might want to delete the app off your phone. That might be That might be more important for you tonight than writing anything down. It might be to delete that app from your phone. It might be that you want to write down and put it into the dustbin as a symbolic act and saying, I am am throwing this away as my hope and my help and I'm turning my heart towards God. Some of you, it's not so much coming to the dustbin that matters for you and putting something in. It's telling someone. It's talking to someone about it. It's going to one of your friends or one of the leaders in your youth group and saying, do you know what? I've been bowing down to something other than Jesus. And tonight I want to say no more. I'm turning my back on it. The Bible says confess to one another. Repent and confess that you might be, that you might be healed, that you might be saved. And for others of you, it's something that you just, you're just going to talk about it with the Lord himself, with, the, with, with our Father. And as we're singing this next song, you're just going to be saying to him, God, you know that I've given my heart to these things and they're false and I turn away from them and I choose instead to give myself to you. It's an opportunity for us to really give our hearts right at the outset of this week. Many of you in here, I know you're followers of Christ, but you know that this this message Simon's brought tonight is speaking into your heart about giving your all to God. And we want to encourage you to do that this evening. We're going to respond together. Many of us, it's going to be a significant time of us saying, I am giving, giving, putting everything else down and saying yes to Jesus. So I want to encourage you to do that as we worship him. If you, if you want to come to one of the bins, you can do that anytime during the next part of this meeting. If you want to talk to one of your youth leaders or a friend in your youth group, if you want to get prayer for that, or if you want to just speak it out to the Lord, either through the lines of the worship song or just yourself in prayer. I just want to encourage you to do that as we worship. Jesus, we, we thank you for your amazing devotion to us. And we want to say to you tonight, we, we are devoted to you. And we want to throw away and bring down everything that we have been devoted to instead of you and turn our backs on these things and so we come to you tonight we turn away from other gods from false gods from things that will never satisfy us and we turn to you and we say you're the one and we trust in you thank you Jesus let's continue to worship him